and uh, it's great to be here to share the word. So how about we just pray for a moment. Father, we just thank you that in this time you're with us. Lord, you are an ever-present help, especially in times of trouble. And Father, we look to you, Father, for our light to be our guide and to be our strength. Speak to us today through your word, we ask in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. I want to start this morning by telling you that um, my daughter isn't here, which is um, really shame. No, she put up a lovely quote about me this week, some of you might have seen on um, Facebook, and uh, she's posting mum quotes. And, uh, and then she directed me to another site with all these funny um, mum quotes on it, you know, where mother and daughter are walking down the street and man comes walking along the other side and the mum wolf whistles, you know, and the man looks up and thinks, who was that? And she digs her daughter in the arm and says, what are you doing that for? <laughs> anyway, she was having a dig at mums and she had a dig at me this week and put this, I was, we were talking around the table on Thursday, it was Harvey's birthday and all the family was over, and we were going to talking about what's happening this year, and I just go very excitedly and say, well, your father's got a birthday this year. <laughs> and she just cracked up and just said, oh, wow, you know. Mum said, Dad's got a birthday this year, like we have one every year, you know. I missed out one word. You know, Dad's got a special birthday this year or Dad's got a big birthday this year. <laughs> and I just said, oh, Dad's got a birthday this year. So Sally put that up and um, I thought that was very funny. Posted that up on Facebook this week. And I just thought how easy it is to miscommunicate things. <laughs> how easy it is to um, to be misquoted or... Um, you know, it could have been something serious that I really got offended over or, um, or took offence over. It was nothing. But there is, we're in serious times, we're in difficult times and there's a lot of misquoting, there's a lot of misinterpretation going around and um, there's a lot of grief um, being, and I'm not here to talk about any specific instances, but I guess it made me really think about how we communicate in a day where people are really hurting and the world, you know, the pandemic has been really, you know, difficult for some to navigate and it's caused a lot of division and strife and a lot of conversations and a lot of opinions. I thought the Prime Minister himself got into trouble, <laughs> you know, and has been misquoted and people make assumptions about him without really getting the facts, whether you like him or don't. It's it's easy to get misrepresented, is what I'm trying to say, no matter what you think of, of people or the, or the person concerned. And we can get in a world of trouble. What should we do? Like, you might find even in your own home or in your own world where you work that it's really easy to be, mis to be misquoted, to be misunderstood, um, or to have people not understand your heart about something. I think even in your own home, and this I'm not trying to preach to you something that I've already attained and I'm really good at. Probably, if the truth be known, my kids will be able to probably say I'm really bad at. But I am trying to get better and uh, that's all we can do. I think as I get older, when I was young I thought I knew everything and now as I get older I realise I know less and less. <laughs> so... Um, 
I could always tell everybody else how to raise their children when I was young, till I had some. <laughs> so we always, you know, think we know better. But it's sometimes you can. You ever had to walk on eggshells around people? You ever felt like that? I think, oh, I've got to be really careful what I say. How do I communicate my heart? 2 Timothy 2.14, Paul has got some great advice about things like this. I find that um, he's really thoughtful about his responses. He says to Timothy, warn people before God against quarrelling about words. It is of no value and it only ruins those who listen. That's pretty true, isn't it? The Lord's servants are to be kind to everybody. Verse 16 says this, avoid pointless discussions because people will become more and more ungodly. How easy it is. It it does appear to me in the world today that established wisdom appears to be being thrown out the door in favour of just emotion and opinion. Would you not agree? Emotion and opinion seems to just be elevated. And um, so it's good to go back to the word. I think our um, actions and responses to things should be considered and measured. And um, there's plenty of times that I've regretted things that I've said hastily. (laughs) Maybe you have too. Maybe you're better at this than me. But our requests, I think, need to be thoughtful. Paul offers a couple of really good things. In Colossians 4, he talks to the Colossian church. In verse 6, he says, Let your speech... Always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Isn't that a great phrase? So that you may know how you ought to answer. We often give answers, but we haven't think about how we should answer very often. I mean, that's been my experience. I've often thought afterwards, what did I do that for? You know, we, we say it without thinking. And I think in the Christian world, you know, it's very easy for us to get caught up in opinions and the emotions in the heat of the moment. How many times in a fight just between a husband and wife do you say it and you're like, oh, what did I do that for? And you create a world of trouble because you don't communicate what's really in your heart. You say something that paints a totally wrong picture of how you're really feeling. Okay, I'm just talking to myself, eh? Come on, come on. Mark 9.50 says this, salt is good, but if salt has lost its saltiness, how will you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. If ever there was a time that we needed some salt in ourselves, it's now. That we might live at peace with one another. I'm hoping this message helps us today because there's an awful lot going on right at this minute that we've had our phones running hot because there's just stuff happening. And of course, I don't want to talk about what's happening, but you all understand and have seen the news. And if you've been, unless you've been in another country, but even the news about the schools is over in other countries. So I think it's, um, it's interesting. It got me thinking about how we say things. And I think it's applicable to us in our homes, in our workplaces, in our church situations, how we talk. Paul was very thoughtful in his approach when he talked to the church at um, Colossae and he wrote to Philemon. And that's where my story is going to start today, is in Philemon. 
And I, I don't pretend this isn't a story that we're unfamiliar with. It's actually a story that probably most of you are very familiar with. But I hadn't actually looked at Philemon from this light. Is how Paul makes a request to Philemon about his brother now, Onesimus. And so I'm going to um, just share a little bit of background in case you don't know the story and uh, you've been on another planet all your life, but here we go. The reason for Paul's letter to Philemon, Paul's in prison in Rome and he's writing this letter because what had happened was Onesimus had been Philemon's slave and he probably had... um, taken some money. He was a runaway. He'd got to Rome. The reasons are not specific, but the text implies that he stole money and perhaps used some of it to make a passage to go back to Rome. And there in Rome, he meets Paul. And during his time there, Onesimus has a conversion experience. He gets saved, Paul gets, and he becomes very useful. Um, He had, you know, while Paul was in prison and um, Onesimus experiences God and he becomes very useful to Paul. So Paul's reason for the letter is a plea for forgiveness on behalf of Philemon's slave, Onesimus, and he wants to send him back. Now, if I was going to make a request of you of something that Someone had done something really wrong by that person and then you go and say, hey, I want you to take him back because I'm the apostle and this is what I want you to do. You would say, no way, I'm not doing that. Why should I have that? <laughs> Isn't that going to be the natural reaction by us? We would be sitting there saying, what do you think you're doing and who do you think you are? Why would you ask me to do that? That person did this to me. So I looked at this story about in Philemon, from a different light, in the light of of, um, how Paul really thought about what he was going to say. There's a lot of conversations that I've had in life where I wished I'd really thought about what I was going to say. So he carefully makes his request. So let's have a look at it. And um, I'm trying to keep this short today and see what we can apply His greeting, it's really interesting in Philemon 1, Paul writes and he says, to Philemon, our beloved friend, fellow labourer, in the beloved, Aphia, Archippus, our fellow soldier and to the church in your house. So he's writing to a small house church. And he says, grace and peace be unto you from God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers. Can you hear the heart here? coming out loud and clear. And he says, hearing of your love and faith. Notice he says, making making mention of your love and faith. Your love and faith. Not just your faith, but your love. Making mention of your love and faith, which you have had toward the Lord Jesus and towards all the saints, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. But I like verse 7. He says, For we have great joy and consolation in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, my brother. I like the fact that he he mentions love a lot here. He says, The hearts of my brethren are refreshed because of your love. 
I think in a day and age today, isn't our goal to refresh hearts by our love for one another? Paul was really careful in his greeting to commend them for their love. Now, remember, he's about to make an approach, but he really appreciates them. He says, it's your love. And then he goes on and he starts to um, make his appeal. In verse 8, Therefore, though I might be very bold in Christ to command you to do what is fitting, Paul's very careful here. He's not going to just make a demand He says, I could be very bold and just say, you know what, I'm boss here. Even though I'm a long way away and I'm in prison, I could just say to you that this is what you should do. And I know for me that is something that we can easily fall into. I often would say, well, you should do it because I'm your mother (laughs) or I'm your boss. But Paul says, you know, I'm about to ask something of you which in the natural I know is going to perhaps not be easy for you to do but I'm going to appeal to you for love's sake. And he takes great care to to phrase his words in such a way that he's going to elicit the response that he's looking for, which is one that would please Christ, of course. He says, Though I might be very bold, yet for love's sake I appeal to you, being such a one as Paul the aged. Don't you love that? Oh, Peter, you could write your letters and say, being Peter the aged. (laughs) After your birthday this year. (laughs) Oh, dear. I just think this is really funny. I'd never noticed that before. I'm looking at this letter from a very different point of view. Being such a one, Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner, I appeal to you for my son, Onesimus, who I have begotten while I'm in chains, who was once unprofitable to you, but now is profitable. He's cautious in his approach. He's got a plea here for forgiveness. He's saying, I'm going to send him back to you. And I know I don't have a right to ask this, but I would ask you. I would appeal to your better nature. So he's, so he's, being very careful about how he says it, it's interesting, Onesimus, the name, means useful. But he was worse than useful when he stole his master's money and fled from Rome. He said he was useless, but now he's useful both to me and to you. So I'm asking you to consider. He's asking him to consider taking back a brother. And it's an interesting thing, um, Paul often uses this in rabbinic writings. He, he uses this wordplay um, to demonstrate that Onesimus was once without Christ. The Greek word is akrestos, but now he's in Christ. He's full of Christ, meaning eukrestos. I'm a bit scared using things like Greek words and that when I've got Colette sitting here, but, you know, she'll pull me up later. But... There's a, look at that comparison. He says once he was without Christ, but now he is full of Christ. And the specific Greek word for useless, akrestos, and now eukrestos, shows that great word play. And he's asking him, see, under Roman law, Philemon was the slave owner and he had the authority to ask to have him back and to punish him, to kill him even. So you've got this backdrop of Roman punishment and revenge 
But here, Paul says, I'm going to appeal to you for love's sake. There is a higher law, which God is, uh, the apostle is appealing to him to apply in this situation. Doesn't that work? Isn't that what God is saying to us? Love is a compelling argument. Today, love is a compelling argument. Paul's saying, you know, don't get caught up in the arguments, but love, but love. And he says, I'm asking you to take this, brethren. There's, and he says, I want you to consider taking him back. So he's very careful how he makes his request. He's cautious in the way he makes it. He then puts it out there like a plea. And the fourth point there, he says, I want you to consider yourselves. Go down, he says. I want, verse 15, perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose, that you might receive him forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. If then you count me as partner, as a partner, receive him as you would receive me. But if he has wronged you or owes you anything, put it on my account. Verse 19, how amazing is this? I, Paul, am writing with my own hand. I will repay, not to mention that you yourselves owe me even your own selves besides. Paul was very, he just slipped that in there. He said, remember this, you owe me your own lives. And I think in this day and age when it could be so easy to point the finger or to lay blame or to have opinions or to get caught up in the emotion of what is going on in our world, that we would consider that, that we, he asks them to, he appeals to them, this is a brother who's had a heart change, his life is different, he's a brethren now. And he says, consider yourselves, you owe me. Christ is saying to us, you owe me your very life. So I want you to be very careful how you think about a brother how you consider a brother. You know, be cautious, be thoughtful. And I I find often, don't you often have to remind yourself that Jesus Christ saved me. It says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for me. While I was still in sin. You know, and I think sometimes we don't think about it. I look at the prophets often and you find the prophets were, uh, in fact, Daniel 9 is probably a good um, chapter for us to pray this week. (laughs) I've got to pray it all this week. Because the prophets were great at identifying with the sins. This, This little letter is about the brotherhood of all believers. The church looks bad. And it looks worse when we are not together, when we don't consider one another, when we don't think that what is happening to the other, we're part of that. So it's we've got to be able to do what the prophets did and they prayed and they said, Lord, we have sinned, forgive us, which is what he says in Daniel. Daniel says, forgive us, Lord, we have sinned. Shame face belongs to us. Yes, they've been unfaithful, but the sin belongs to us. And so that reminder that we're in this together should encourage us to be cautious in our approach to people and to pray for our brethren, to receive our brethren and to to care about their state. 
1 John 4.11 says this, Beloved, if God so loved us, we all ought, to, ought also to love one another. And so he asks him, and he says in verse 21, Having confidence in your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. You know, in the end, Paul's asking him that he says, in your obedience, you will do this. And I think God is saying to us today, I have confidence in your obedience to love the brethren today out of a love for me and because of what I did for you. So God, I think, is saying to us in a season where the world is hurt and where the church is looking, you know, God is not pleased when his name is reproached in the earth, when God's name is made to look um, and be trampled underfoot by the world as it is being somewhat today, I would say. Wouldn't you agree? So our response is, what are we to do? This is our thought. God, my whole consideration, there's a backdrop of punishment and revenge and yes, they were stupid and they shouldn't do this and they need to be, they need to pay for what they've done. That Roman backdrop back in, in Paul's day, he's saying, hey, I'm calling you up to a higher law, the law of love, the law of love. Love is a, a compelling argument. And I think Christ is looking at his church and saying, I'm calling you to be obedient, not out of an obedience to people, but out of an obedience to me. Because of my love for you, I'm asking you to show that love to your brethren. And that's what he asks of Philemon, and he carefully makes that request. So when we go forward in life, I think it's important that we carefully make our requests First thing, what can we do and increase the love in our world, even in our home? How we consider one another and talk in our homes, we should think about it. You know, be thoughtful, be considered in your requests. Second thing, appeal to others for love's sake. My little, my little preacher over there. <laughs> Seek to understand others. You know, Paul was saying to Philemon, I've got a new perspective, a perspective for you to consider. And it's the, it's the one of love. And um, sometimes I don't think we, we do that. You know, how is it for the other person? How is it for those that are being vilified today? Whether it's heads of, of departments and schools or whether it's a prime minister, their heart... People make, often we make mistakes and our heart is not communicated in the message that's sent out. I think it happens a lot in politics. If we could only hear the heart, we'd go, oh, and we'd want to pray. And God is saying, you know what? Pray for your brethren. Consider their heart. Hear it. Hear what they're saying. Seek to understand and remember from whence you have come. If God loved us, we ought to love one another. I've really found this little letter to Philemon so helpful today and so um, challenging for me because I'm like, oh, you know, rah, rah, get in there, throw a punch or two, get a black eye. 
you know, it's very easy for me. I find now as I get older, I'm trying to be a lot more considered and measured in my responses. <laughs> and I hope that it helps us to communicate God's love to a world that really is hurting. And let me close. You know, yesterday we had a wonderful time at um, celebrating Colette's dad and sending him off. Um, it was just a, a wonderful funeral. And um, what a life, what so well lived. But afterwards, we were just having conversations and, and we sat down and someone just told me the story that they'd been to the hospital and were just visiting, doing hospital visitation. And as they walked out, there was someone with stage four cancer and they got talking to this girl and shared the love of Christ with her. They exchanged phone numbers. She said, in the end, I went and saw her um, in her home, not only led her to Jesus, led her family to Jesus as well. She died just before Christmas. And I thought, you know what, in the midst of everything that's going on with the panic, there is such opportunity for us to share God's love. So let's remain focused on what the main thing is always, and that is God's love. God bless you.